This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so there's two things that we're going to really talk about tonight. I just got back from Eretz Yisrael. We're talk about what you're supposed to be taking from the um, from the Yantiv of of Sukkis, which um, was just over, and um, Pasha, a little bit about Pasha's Bereshis and Pasha's Noah. So, last week's Pasha, Pasha's Bereshis, on the third day, it says the following: and Hashem said, Desha, the ground should give grass. Asev Mazriya Zera, um, grass from seeds, eight pre oisepri. Now that's what really what we're going to focus on. Um, we're going to have trees that are going to, that are going to make fruit, limino according to its species. So what it says here is eight pre oisepri, the wood, the eight, the tree, is going to make the fruit. And the, the, the grass grew. So, um, if you look in Rashi, Rashi says, what does this mean, eight pre, right? The, the fruit of the tree. Hashem's commandment to the trees was that the bark the wood of the tree should taste exactly like the fruit. In other words, if you had an apple tree and you cut off a piece of wood and you chewed into the wood, the commandment was that the wood would taste like the apple. In other words, there would be no difference between the fruit and the tree itself. But what happened, and it's very, very, I'm not going into, into this tonight because it's very hard to understand, but for some reason, the the trees did not listen to Hashem. Now you're going to say to me, a tree doesn't have choice, a tree doesn't have a chira, a tree doesn't have a brain. How could a tree not listen to Hashem? Many years ago I spoke about this. I don't remember exactly, but the tree had a cheshbin, had an idea that it wouldn't be good for the Jews if the wood tasted like the fruit. Okay, anyway, it didn't listen. Right? Okay, so now... Um, the eighth itself did not become a fruit, but the eighth oisepri. Instead, the the tree gave a fruit, but it did not become a fruit. Below eighth pre, the wood itself of the tree was not a pre. The fichach, Rashi says, therefore, kishin is kalkal adam alavayna. When the adam ate from the tree, when he did the sin, nifkadadagam he alavayna miniskalva. At that point, when the when man didn't listen and he ate from the eighth so then Hashem cursed the trees for what they did now, that they didn't listen to him, and they, the bark did not become the taste of the actual fruit itself. So the kasha is, I don't understand, what does one thing have to do with the other? If the trees did not listen to Hashem, then the trees, then they should have been punished on the third day. Hashem commanded on the third day that the wood should taste like the fruit, and it didn't listen. So it should have been punished right away. Why did Hashem wait till Adam ate from the tree? And because Adam ate from the tree, then he cursed the trees also. Why did he wait till the sixth day? Okay. Let's go to the sixth day. So. Hashem says, I gave you all the, all the grasses. He, now it's, it's talking about now the, Hashem's talking to Adam. And any tree that has fruit on it, right, you can eat. But you can't eat from the Eitzadas. Along comes, it's a beautiful shot here. Along comes the Nachash, right? And he says the following to Chava. He says, Right? He was very, he was very shrewd. And he said, Is it true that God said that you're not allowed to eat from any of the trees in the, in the garden, in the garden? No. We're allowed to eat from all the fruit. 
but the, 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 the tree that's in the center of Gan Eden, which was the Eitz Hadas, we're not allowed to eat from it, we're not allowed to touch it. Nah, don't worry about it, you won't die. Hashem knows that when you're going to eat from this tree, your eyes are going to open up, you're going to be like Hashem, you're going to know good and bad. So the famous passage that I talk a lot about every year, and the woman saw, she saw that the tree was good to eat. How could you see that a, that a fruit is good to eat? You look at an orange, it could be very bitter. Let's say you never tasted an orange in your life. But looking at the fruit doesn't tell you that the fruit is good. You have to taste the fruit to know that the fruit is good. So what does the puzzle mean here? Like Isha, she looked at the fruit, and Kitoiv, she saw that it was good. Question number one. Question number two, what did she say over here? She didn't say that she saw that the Peros, that the fruit was good. She didn't say she saw that the fruit was good. She said, she said she saw that the wood was good. She should have said that she looked at the fruit and she saw that the fruit was good. Instead she said, she saw that the tree was good. What does it mean the tree is good? Behaved. What does it mean that the tree is good? So the answer is amazing and it answers the question on this Rashi. Why did Hashem wait until Adam sinned? The tree didn't listen to Hashem. It should have been punished right away. So he says like this. But there was one tree in the whole world that did listen to Hashem. Hashem commanded that the fruit, that the wood of the tree has to, the, should taste like the fruit of the tree. So the Gemara says that what was this tree? This tree was an estric tree. And that we know that an estric tree, even till today, I have a friend that actually has one in Muncie. If you cut off the wood and you bite into it, it tastes like an estric, even till today. The only tree that the wood tastes like the fruit is the estric tree. So there was one tree in the whole creation that listened to what God said and it made its wood taste like its fruit. What was that? The Eitzadas. Right? So, listen to what the Nochash, what does it mean, Ki'arum? This is, a, this is something you have to remember, you have to write down. What does it mean that he was shrewd? What was, what was so shrewd about him? I'll tell you what was shrewd about him. He said the following. This is what he told Chava. He said, all the trees in the world were bad trees. Hashem told them that the wood should taste like the Paris, and they didn't listen. So they were all bad. So he asked her, are you allowed to eat from all... Didn't Hashem say you're not allowed to eat from all the trees in the whole world? They all didn't have Vera? They all didn't listen to Hashem? He said, no. No, I can eat from any one of them. But there's only one tree I'm not allowed to eat from. The one that listened to Hashem. So the Nachash said, what are you talking about? There's such a thing called the Kalvachomer. Surely the trees that didn't listen to Hashem, you're allowed to eat their fruit. Surely the tree that's a good tree, that's a tzaddik tree, the one tree that listened to Hashem, surely you can eat its fruit. Now let's look at the Pasuk. Beautiful. After the Naka spoke to her, This was the good tree. This was the only eight that you could eat. The only tree that the wood had the same taste as the fruit. So she said, He's right. Surely all the bad trees you're not, you're allowed to eat from. Surely the one tree that listened to Hashem you're allowed to eat from. So she ate from the tree. So Hashem said, until, until Chava was fooled. So the trees didn't have Eirah, they didn't listen to me. But what effect did it have on the world? Okay, so the bark of a, of an apple tree doesn't taste like an apple. So it doesn't change the world. But now that because the trees sinned, and they didn't listen to Hashem, the Satan used it as a Kalvachomer, Surely all the trees that are bad, you're not you're allowed to eat from. Surely the tree that's good, you're allowed to eat from. So now, because they didn't listen to Hashem, they caused the hate of eating from the Eitzanas. So now when the human being got punished, Hashem surely had to punish them. Because the whole thing that they were fooled was because they didn't have Eira. So Hashem didn't punish them on the third day. So on the third day, they didn't listen to him. 
But it didn't make a difference in the world that they didn't listen to him. But now, because they didn't listen to him, the Nochash used that as a Kavachomer. So now HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, now that you did that Avera, and you didn't listen to me, and she saw Kitaiva ate, this was the good tree. Surely the good tree. And she ate from it, and caused such a terrible thing in the world. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, now I have to, now I have to go punish the trees. That's why the trees were not punished until Adam and Chava ate from the tree. It's an amazing answer because it doesn't make a sense that Terry Ishiki Taiva ate. She saw that the tree is good. What, what does that mean that the tree is good? Yeah! She saw that the tree is good. She saw that this was the one tree that listened to Hashem. It was the one tree that listened to Hashem and I listen, and I can eat from the other ones. I could surely eat from this. What do we learn from this? What's the important lesson from what I just told you? It's such an important lesson. The important lesson is that when there's a rule there's a rule. And don't try to figure it out logically. If you're not supposed to do something, yeah, but if this is that and this is that, then I'm sure I can do this. No. Because Baruch Hu said you can't eat from the Eitzadas. Period. You cannot eat from the tree. She started making Kalvachomer. Surely this, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. If you're not allowed to do something, then you can't try to figure out. We call it a Fruma Yitzhahara. Yitzhahara, when he comes to you and he tells you you're doing a mitzvah, Really, you're doing it out there. Of course, we all know the famous saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Everybody's like, oh, I'm a big tzaddik. I have to talk bad about this person. I have to save this other person. No. If you're not allowed to talk Lashon Hara, then you're not allowed to talk Lashon Hara. You can't touch it and make it into something good. Over here, she should have said, it is the good tree, it's the bad tree, it doesn't make a difference. Hashem said, I'm not allowed to eat from this tree. So that was his brilliance. His brilliance was, that once he got into a conversation... He, he was able to, to outsmart her. Now it's very interesting. This is really what I want to talk about tonight. Um, when Akash Baruch Hu found out that they ate from the tree, he said the following. They heard the voice of Hashem going in the garden, right? They went and they hid, like you can hide from God, but they went and they hid, they were embarrassed, because they ate from the tree. Which is Din and Chesed. Now, who did Hashem speak to now when you say low? Low is singular for a man. So, so even though they both ate from the tree, and even though Chava really was the one who ate first, what is, you have to look at the, at the diktuk in the Pesach. Because Baruch Hu said to him, Bayomer lo to him, he said to him, Ayeka, where are you? Didn't say to her. He said to him, even though she was the one who was really the bad one here, because she gave him to eat from the tree. He said to him, where are you? Now this famous word Ayeka also spells the word Echa, which is of course the opening Echa that we say in Tishabov. So this was the human being's Tishabov. This was our Tishabah. The same word that says Ayeka says Ayeka, where are you? Is the word Echa. So why is Hashem asking, where are you? God knows where you are. Wouldn't you find it very interesting? God asked you where you are. Like, one second, you created the world and you know everything and you know all my thoughts and you don't know where I am. You don't even have a GPS. Like Hashem, like, what's the deal here? So what's going on over here in the Torah that Hashem says Ayeka to him? Where are you? So he answers, right? So Hashem says, Hashem, I heard your voice in the garden, and I'm, I'm scared because I'm not dressed. So I got dressed. So Hashem said, who told you that you're not dressed? Did you eat from the tree? And what is his answer, the famous answer? He said, the woman that you gave me, she gave me to eat from the tree. So what did he do? He blamed the woman. He didn't take responsibility. He blamed somebody else. Okay. So let's go talk to the, let's go talk to his wife. So Hashem said to his wife, What'd you do here? She said to his wife, What'd you do? She did the same thing he did. She blamed the snake. By the time of Isha, uh, it's not my fault. The snake tricked me, um, and I ate. Now Hashem didn't talk after Nachash because it was the Nachash's idea. So Hashem cursed the Nachash. So what's this Ayeka? And that's what I want to talk about. 
Because Baruch was giving us all Musr. From the first Avera that was done, was a Musr to all of us. And God said, at the end of the day, where were you? In other words, when she came to give you from this tree, right, you can always blame someone else. Everyone has a chance. It, it was fascinating, uh, and Muncie, it was the first time she ever spoke like this. I, if, I, I, I don't know how to get it to you for free, but if you can go online, if Chatham, you have online, but, and listen to Rebetzin Young Rice's speech at Vino Malkano this year in Muncie. You know, she's a very, she's an amazing, brilliant woman. And she, she's, she speaks to very secular people. She's, you know, she's very intelligent. And, Always talks about the Holocaust and always talks very nice. I've never heard her give Musa criticism. You never hear Rebbitzin Young give criticism. Never heard such a thing. She got up in Muncie, this is Vino Malcano, and she was screaming. You know, there were there were 800 people in that room and no air conditioning, and everybody was sweating. And she got up there and she was screaming at all the girls, and she was like, "You think you know what it means to cry?" You, you, you think you have a reason to cry because this is, you didn't get this and you didn't get that. She says, you don't know how to cry. She says, I was in the Holocaust. I was six years old in a concentration camp. I cried because they didn't have a crumb of bread for three days. So I cried for a, for a piece of dry bread. And she was just like, like going after them. And she was like, like, and, and, and she said, she said, she said, you blame your parents. And you blame your dysfunctional families, and you blame the world, and you blame the internet. She says, we didn't blame, we were in the Holocaust, we didn't blame anybody. You have to learn to stop blaming everybody for your pitfalls and your failures. This is what God said to Adam. I know you ate from the tree, but Ayeka, where were you in this mix? What happened to you? Yes, she came and she wanted to give you from the tree and whatever you're going to tell me. But at the end of the day, you have to fess up for what you do. Ayeka, where were you? So he right away said, me, it's her. So Hashem said to her, where were you? And she said, man, me? It's him, it's the Nachash. And later on, later on, it's an interesting, because it's a very, very, um, it's an extra word. And... Adam, because you listened to your, your, your wife's voice and you ate from the tree, that's why you're going to be cursed. It shouldn't say that. It should say, Adam, Omar, the reason I'm cursing you is because you ate from the tree. Why did Hashem say? Because you listened to your wife. Because Hashem was giving a muster. You're telling me that the whole reason is, not my fault, my wife told me, Hashem said, really? Because you listen to your wife. It's not an excuse. It's an unbelievable pasuk here. Hashem's throwing his excuse. Although it's extra words. What do you mean? It's not because he listened to his wife. That's not why he got punished. He got punished because he ate from the Eitzhadas. Because he listened to his wife. If his wife would have told him to take a shower and he took a shower, would he get punished? He didn't get punished for listening to his wife. He got punished because he ate from the Eitzhadas. So why are you saying that you're getting punished? So first of all, who's saying, your whole excuse was... That's not your fault, but it's your wife's fault. No. Hashem said, no, you listen to your wife, you're still to blame. At the end of the day, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. And that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said here in the first Aveira, Ayeka, where were you? Where were you? I know everybody else's. I know the Nachash, and I know the woman, I know the whole story. At the end of the day, where were you? Excuses, excuses, excuses. I don't know, I haven't said this story in a very long time. About excuses. It's my favorite story. I used to tell this to my, to my high school and you're, Miriam's smiling. She probably knows where I'm going with this. But it's a, it's a, it's one of the best stories I ever heard on excuses. So there's this guy and he comes up to Shemaim and they say to him, why didn't you, um, go to shul? Why don't you daven? Why don't you learn? You never davened. You never learned. You never said to him, what's going on? He says, it's not my fault. Why isn't it your fault? So I never learned how to read. I don't know how to read. I don't know how to read Hebrew. I never, they never taught me in school how to read Hebrew. I can't read Tehillim. I can't read Davening. 
not my fault. So Bezin Shalmaila, you know, when you're being judged, Bezin Shalmaila, they had a problem because he had a great excuse. He never learned how to read, so he couldn't read Hebrew. So he didn't know how to learn, and he didn't know how to say Tehillim, and he didn't know how to daven. So we can't send him to hell because he doesn't deserve to go to hell. He never learned how to read. But we can't send him to heaven. He never learned a word. So what do you do with this guy? So Bezin had a little meeting, and they came up with, they're going to give him a passport. And this passport... When he wants to go to heaven, he shows it to the angel, he goes to heaven. When he wants to go to Gehenna, he shows it to the angel, he goes to Gehenna. Fine. So, of course, who's going to go to Gehenna? He doesn't want to go to Gehenna. So he goes to heaven, and there's a big angel at the door of heaven, and he says, um, I'd like to come into heaven. And they're like, well, when you come to heaven, there's two angels that bring you in. We don't see any angels. He goes, oh, no, I don't need angels. I have a passport. Angel says, a passport? Uh, I never saw a passport. He shows it to him. Angel looks, says, Yanko can come to Ganeiden anytime he wants. In you go. So, he comes into Ganeiden, and what's going on in Ganeiden? You think they're drinking chocolate malted? No. What are they doing in, in Ganeiden? Eating pizza and falafel? No. They're learning. Yeshiva Shamayla. So he walks in, he doesn't understand a word they're saying. They're learning Gemara, they're learning other things. He's very bored. And the guys that he used to hang around with, the Chama, you know, these guys weren't good guys. So, none of his friends were in Ganeiden. She's very lonely. These old strangers. So after a while, he goes back to the angel. He goes, I want to leave heaven. He says, you can't just walk out of heaven. Oh, you change, change of, uh, you know, guard, change of the guard. This, oh, I came in here a few days ago. Shows him the passport. Angel says, wow, this is very cool. I never saw this before. You can go. He comes to hell. Comes to Gehenna. Big, bad angel standing there. He says, what are you doing here? He says, I want to go in. Visit my friends. He says, we don't, you can't just walk into Gehenna. You gotta be, you know, two malachim have to come with you. He goes, oh my gosh. He says, I have a passport. Passport? Yeah, I can come into hell anytime I want. Showed it to the angel at the door. Angel reads it. Yankel can come to hell anytime he wants. Okay. Opens the door. He walks in. Happens to be Shabbos. So the fires are out. Everybody's sitting there. And his whole chevra that he was on earth with is all, now he's in his friends. He's like, wow, this is great. No fires, my friends. They start talking, they start hacking. All of a sudden, friends says, listen, Shabbos is about to be over. When Shabbos is over, they turn up these fires. It's going to get very uncomfortable. He says, okay, I'll leave. They're like, really? You could just come and go? He says, me? You don't understand. I had the best excuse in the world that I couldn't read. And the rabbis went for it. And now I can come and go whenever I want. And they're like, that's crazy. We thought of, thought of the same excuse. Fine. They start, Shabbos is over, Motsi Shabbos, Havdalah is with a big flame, and the flame stays on over there. So they make Havdalah, and and he's like, I gotta get out of here. So he comes to the, to the, to the guard, and of course Shabbos is over, so there's a changing of the guard. There's a new angel there. Okay. Angel says, where do you think you're going? Nobody can walk out of hell, you can't leave. He says, oh man, all you guys, he says, I can come and go wherever I want. Angel goes, there's no such thing. He goes, yes, I have a passport. He says, a passport? What's a passport? He says, oh my gosh, I have to deal with all you guys. And he gives him the passport. And the angel looks at the passport and he goes like this. 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 And he takes it and he just flings it into the fire. He says, you're not going anywhere. Yanko goes, you crazy angel? You out of your mind? You just took my passport. You threw it in the fire. I'm never going to get out of here. I don't understand. Why? Why'd you do that? Can't you read? It says I can go and come whenever I want. And she goes, sorry, I'm one of those angels just, just never learned how to read. <laughs> Excuses don't work. The excuse that you're going to use in the next world is going to be used against you. You can't read. The angel can't read. Same thing. Ayaka. At the end of the day, you gotta answer for what you do. You're gonna blame and you're gonna blame and you're gonna blame. Not gonna help anybody. So there's a very famous Gemara that had a lot to do with this past Sukkot, I'm sure. Some of you, I was in Eretz Yisrael every night. It's one of the beauties of being in Eretz Yisrael. Every night is a Simchas Beis HaShu'eva. Simchas Beis HaShu'eva in the times of Beis HaMikdash. All the tzaddikim, they would, they would juggle fire, they would sing, they would dance. It was a very big time in the base. I mean, used to pour 
used to pour water on the Mizbeach, and it was a very big thing. It was a very big thing. So the Gemara says the following. There was somebody called the Hillel Hazakain. He was probably the big, it says, the Gemara says on him that he was the biggest Anov. He was the most modest person. He said the following. Hillel Hazakain Omar. Hillel Hazakain said, Am I Nikan? Hakolkan. If I'm here, everything's here. Im Khan, if I'm not here, Mikan, nobody's here. Now that's a very strange statement from someone who's very modest. From a big shot is, hey, I'm here, everything's here. If I'm not here, nothing's here. But from Hillel Azokain, who's the most modest person, what does this statement mean? If I'm here, everything's here. If I'm not here, nothing's here. So one of the Mephoshim say that he wasn't talking about himself. He said, Am I Nikan? If the Ani, who's the Ani? Ani Hashem Alekecha. Who's the Ani Hashem? Am I Nikan? If Hashem is here, Hakolkan, everything's here. If Anikan, if Hashem is not here, then there's nothing here. That's one of the explanations. But there's, a much, there's another explanation. That's where I'm going tonight. And he was saying, he was saying the following. He was saying that I'm doing, he was, he was juggling, he was doing all kinds of stuff. He was saying that in my Nikon, if I am here, if, if I am doing this for the right reasons, then everything is here. But if I'm not here, if everything is because she does it, she does it, so I want to do it. I'm just a copycat, right? There's no I need. I talked about this many times, but there has to be an I need. There has to be an ain't I need, me, me, me. Right? It's not a big shot. If ain't I need me, if there's no me, then who am I? If you live your whole life because I want to be like her and I want to be like her, oh look, she has this and she has that. She got married, so I want to get married. She has this, so I want that. So the Maestro, you're a duplicate. You're not an original. You want to copy with the other. Hashem doesn't want duplicates. He doesn't make duplicates. Everyone in this world has their own fingerprint. God doesn't make duplicates. Even twins have separate fingerprints. So if you want to be like the other person who needs you in this world, she's the original. You're copying her. You want to be like her. So if you have two paintings and you got to get rid of one, one's a duplicate, one's an original. What are you keeping? What are you keeping the original? So a person who's trying to copy other people doesn't, doesn't have a place in this world. So he said, my Nikon, there's an I need. If I'm here, if it's, I'm not living my life, I'm not dancing out of civilization because he's dancing. I'm dancing because I need come because I'm here. I'm in my place. I exist. Then everything is here. It's a very cute story. Um, which I heard in Eretz Yisrael. And, and the story is about a little boy, and you can use this in class. This is something, whoever's a teacher, is one of the best stories you could ever tell your class. So this is this, this teacher, and every single day, we'll call him Yanko. This little boy, Yanko, comes late to school. Every single day, he's late to school. And he keeps getting punished. A dollar... Loses recess. He keeps getting punished. Finally, the rabbi, the rabbi, he, he has pity on him. He has rachmanus on him. He's late every single day. So he calls him over. He says, Yankel, I don't understand. Every single day, I, you have to pay a class, you have to pay a penalty, and you lose recess. I feel very bad for you. Why are you always late? He says, Rebbe, I'll tell you the truth. I'm very sloppy. So, before I go to sleep at night, my shoes are, my one shoe's in one room, my other shoe's in another room. I can't find my shirt, I can't find my tzitzes, I can't find my underwear, I can't find my pants. He says, I, 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 I just, by the time I find all my clothing, and my books, and my homework, and my papers, I, I, it, it takes me an hour and a half, two hours after I wake up to find everything, to get everything on here. I'm sorry, Rebbe, but I'm, I'm very sloppy, and, and, and I'm very absent-minded, and I can't find anything in the morning. Some of us understand what he's talking about. <laughs> anyway, so Rebbe think, huh? I'm not blushing. Anyway, <laughs> my wife knows where everything is. I don't need to know where everything is. So, so, um, so he, so, so the Rebbe thinks about what should I do for this poor kid, right? What am I going to do for him? He says, I have a great idea. Every night, when you get into your bed, right, right before you go to sleep. I'm sure anyone that was a teacher in the, would think of the same idea. Take a pen, take a, piece of, take a piece of paper, a notebook, and write. My shoe is in my mother's room. My other shoe is in the bathroom. My glasses is underneath the table. Right? My shirt is up there. Right? Write down where everything is. 
You're going to wake up in the morning. You'll have a list from 1 to 15. You'll see, okay, there's my shoe. Boom, get my shoe. Oh, my other, okay. My glasses, okay, right? My filling up. And the kid said, wow, Rebbe, you're brilliant. It's a fantastic idea. It is a fantastic idea. Okay. Fine. So the next day, Rebbe figures the kid's going to show up on time. Usually the kid was a half an hour, 45 minutes late. Half an hour, 45 minutes, one hour, two hours, three hours. It's lunchtime. The kid didn't show up. So Rebbe's like, Rebbe's like, can't find the list? Very cute. No, no, that's not what happened. Anyway, so even more brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant story. It's such a deep story. It's unbelievable. Okay, so the Rebbe's like, you know what? I feel very bad. Look what I did to this poor kid. I don't know what he did. Let me go see what he did. So the Rebbe, lunchtime, drives to the kid's house. Knocks on the door. Mother opens the door and says, my uncle, I can't get him out of the house. He, he's, he's sitting by his bed. He's crying. Rebbe's like, he's crying? Why would he be crying? So he goes into the room, and this poor kid is sitting by a chair, right, by, looking at his bed, right up right by his bed, and his mom is crying. He's crying. The Rebbe walks over to him and says, Yankel, what's going on? You didn't come to school today. It's already lunchtime. You're crying. What's going on? Did you do what I told you to do? Did you write a list before you went to sleep? Yes, Rebbe. He says, so what happened? He says, look at my list, Rebbe. So he has 15 things on the list. So Rebbe sees. Shoe, mommy's room, checked off. Other shoe, bathtub, checked off, right? He goes through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, twelve. Everything's checked off. Thirteen, checked off. Fourteen, uh-oh. The last thing on the list is not checked off. What do you think the last thing on the list is? Anyone here have any idea? Nobody ever heard this story? It's brilliant. Huh? What do you think the last thing on the list is? Yankel in bed. <laughs> last thing he wrote, he wrote where everything, the Rebbe told him, before you go to sleep, write where everything is. So he wrote, my shoe is here, my dinner, and he wrote, the last thing, where's everything? Yankel himself is in bed. And here he is, sitting a whole morning, looking for Yankel in bed, and Yankel's not in bed. So he can't leave. Because on his list it says Yankel in bed. So he's sitting across from an empty bed. You see, you never heard this one. This is amazing. He's sitting across from an empty bed. He said, what am I going to do? Yankel's not in the bed. I can't find Yankel. And he's running around. He can't find Yankel. It's on his list. That's the deepness. What's it? It's a marshal. Rabbi Galinsky wrote this. What's the marshal? <coughs> beautiful marshal. You could have everything on the list in order. Everything in your life. My job, my children, my husband, whatever you have in life. My, my, my school, my clothing. I'm, I'm, I'm OCD, right? My clothing is piled up. Everything is ready. Everything's in the right place. But if number 15, if you can't find number 15, if you can't find yourself, Ayakoth, said Hashem to Adam. Where are you? You can have everything in the list. Everything checked off. But if you can't find yourself, you're stuck. What a, what a, Rabbi Golinsky, what a, what a deep word. The end of the list, you gotta find Yaakov, you gotta find Deborah, you gotta find Miriam, whatever your name is. You can have everything on the list checked off. But if you don't know who you are, and you don't know where you are in life, you're totally lost, you're stuck. Looking at that bed, going nowhere. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And that's what I Kodesh Baruch was telling Adam. Yeah, she did it. It's not your fault. Ayaka. Where are you, Yanko? Yanko, where are you? Number 15 on the list. Miriam, Chani, where are you? If you don't know where you are, all the excuses in the world are not going to get you anywhere. That's what I Kodesh Baruch told Adam when he said, Ayaka. And, it, and a person has to a person has to has to do things because they want to do things, not not because of other people. And, and I think it's a very very important thing. And that's one of the things that we learn on. That's what Hillel Hazakin was saying. Am I Nikan? If I know where I am, I know where Yankel is. Hakolkan. Then everything else is going to work out. The rest of the list will work out. Number fifteen has to be number one. 
You have to spend some time. I spent a lot of time in Israel talking to girls, and, and, and there's no question more in this door than any other door. And you need to spend time with yourself. We're so busy with 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 everybody else and everything else. A person needs to spend time with themselves so that they know who they are. If you don't know who you are, you can't help other people. Everything else on the list can be in place, but if you don't know who you are, and, and that's the one thing that the cell phones and the movies and the, and the internet and, and, and being very busy, and we are very busy, it keeps us from spending time with ourselves. And what happens if you don't, can't spend time with yourself? Then Hashem asks the question, Ayeka, where are you? Because if you don't know who you are, then a nachash can fool you. Then you can fall for any type of taiva or any type of yetzahara. The first thing Hashem said, you didn't have era? Do you know why you didn't have era? Because Ayaka, because you don't know where you are, Adam. But time out low, he said to Adam, you don't know where you are. If you knew where you were, you would have never done this era. Stop blaming everybody else. You never spent time to find out where you are. And we as, to our generation, we don't spend time to figure out who we are. And if we would, we'd be totally different people. And husband and wives, they don't spend time together either. If they would spend time together, it would be, it would be a whole different marriage. It's, it's, it's a terrible thing today. I just heard somebody who's 60 years old, who came to my Rebbe and said he, he's, he's getting divorced. He's getting divorced. 60 years old, you live so many years with the same woman. You gave, did she do something wrong? Did you catch her? Did she do something wrong? She, you know, well, I, I realize now that we have nothing in common. <laughs> you married 40 years, and now you realize you have nothing in common? And the answer was that two years ago, his last child got married. So it's just him and her at home. So she's not busy with the kids. He's like semi-retired. And all of a sudden, they're looking at each other, and they're like, I don't like you. I don't know you. You married 40 years, and you don't know him. Why? Because you didn't spend any time together. You happen to be living in the same house, and you're busy with your kids, you're busy with, your business, you're busy with everybody else. But Lamaisa, you never spent time. So now, you're 60, and you don't know how to spend time with each other. So all of a sudden, he wants to get, he wants to get divorced. He wants to be alone. Doesn't worry. Don't get married to somebody else. There's, there's, a, there's a place, I don't want to advertise, so I'm not here to advertise. But there was a place, I remember when I, when I first got married, whatever it was, I, I like I liked things, I like to get away. When I get away, I like to get away. So there was something that was very interesting. I, I asked my travel agent, like, where's there a place in, like, not too far, that you could just get away with your wife, like, away from civilization? But I need a minion, because I don't go anywhere without a minion. He says there's a place called Los Cabos, Mexico. And this Los Cabos, Mexico, is this place on top of a mountain. And on the bottom of the mountain is a big hotel that all the Svaradim go, I forgot what it's called, in, in, in this place in Mexico. So there's like ten minyanim and dafyaimi and kosher food, right? So you can, you can go to Las Cabos on top of the mountain, and then every morning when you want to go to the and you can bicycle ride. Sounds great. To the bottom of the mountain, you have a minion and everything else, or you can get a jeep. I'm like, okay, tell me more about it. So they said, each villa on the top of this mountain, Las Cabos, each villa has its own pool, right? So you have your own pool, so there's no mixed swimming. So far, it's fantastic, right? Have a minion, food, no mixed swimming. He says, and there's no communications. No TVs, no DVDs, no phones. They don't work there. There's one public phone for emergencies in the main, like, building. There's zero civilization. It's an ocean and a pool, and you, you come with a book. That's it. That's good. So, so I said, sounds amazing to the guy on the phone. I said, sounds amazing. It's like my dream, right? He says, well, it's not always so amazing. So I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, it's a place for honeymooners. It's a place for couples. He said, either after a week in Los Cabos... The, the, the couple goes home, you can't separate them, or they go home to get divorced. <laughs> I said, I said, what are you talking about? He said, because when you have no distractions, you find out if you have a real relationship. Wow, what a word he said. When you have no distractions, then you know if you have a real relationship. So when a person cuts themselves away from all the technology and spend some time with themselves you find out if you really have a real true healthy relationship with yourself 
or you can't stand being alone. If you can't stand being alone with yourself, then Akash Baruch is asking you the question, Ayeka, where are you? Who are you? What are you? You don't like to be, right? So right now, you, so I, you see people today, they're on their phones all the time. You think they're busy all the time on their phones? They don't want to spend any time with themselves because they're going to find out who they really are. But, but even if you're not the best person, and even if you have, you do bad things, great, so find out you do bad things, you can fix them. If you don't find out there's a hole, you're going to fall into the hole. If you know there's a hole, you're going to walk around the hole. And that's one of the things we don't do anymore. We don't spend time with ourselves. So you're saying a great vote. You're saying, you're either going to be here, no distractions, and have an unbelievable relationship, or you're going to walk home and say, who is this person? I don't want to be with this person. A person needs to spend time by themselves. And a person needs to live their life. I have what to do and I can't blame everybody else. And therefore, it's about me. It's not about copying everyone. It's a very famous story about... This is what happens when I don't speak for four weeks. I have so many stories. But there's a very cute story about um, people copying other people. So there was this... this um, in B'nai Brock, or outside B'nai Brock... So there was this guy building a beautiful villa. And this Kylo guy, poor Kylo guy, was walking down the street past this villa while they're building it. And the architect and the builder and the owner of this big villa are having an argument outside the villa. And this Kylo guy is walking by. And what's their argument? Should they make the walkway and the, and the porch marble or Yerushalayim stone? Jerusalem stone. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's very beautiful. Or Jerusalem stone. And they're having this discussion. Color guy walks in. Color guy, right? Doesn't have two dollars to his name. Walks in and says, excuse me, can I give you my opinion? Like, million dollar architect, designer, right? The builder and the owner. And this Kyle guy wants to give his opinion. So the owner of the house says to the Kyle guy, excuse me, you're a, you're a bench cratcher, you know? You're sitting in Kylo. What do you know about marble or Jerusalem stone? We're not interested in your opinion. He says, no, I think you need to, in my opinion, I think it would be much nicer if you do it in marble than Jerusalem stone. So the owner says to him, excuse me, why do you think you have a say over here? He says, the outside of your house, the porch and the stairway and the steps, who are you making it for? You're making it to rip out everyone's eyes that's walking in the street. You're making it for me. You're making it to impress me. Not to impress you. You live in the house. So if you're making it to impress me, I'm telling you what I like. Because you're making it for me. So it's my opinion that counts. Ay, 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 ay. Ay, 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 ay. That's what a person is doing. If everything in life is about impressing everybody else, so then everybody else has a right to tell you what impresses them. And you lose that identity. And you lose that ayeka. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a Rabbi Galinsky, you don't know Rabbi Galinsky. Galinsky is a maggot, he's a famous maggot in Eretz Yisrael. He came out with a bunch of svarim. Very short. Like the Chafetz Chaim, like 4-8, 4-9. Very short, very funny. Big, big tamachachim. So he said a true story that happened to him. He said he was one day walking by a crazy house. And there it's Mishugam house. And one of the people up there, you know, there's bars on the window. So they screamed down, Rabbi Galinsky! So he looked up. I think it was right out, it's right outside B'nai Brak. So he looked up. He said, Rabbi Galinsky! Mashiach is not coming soon. So Galinsky looks up to this Mishugam, huh? He says, he says, excuse me, how could you make such a statement? He says, what do you mean, how can I make such a statement? I'm a sheikh! And I'm locked in behind these bars! So I can tell you, he's not coming soon! All of a sudden, right, it gets funnier. All of a sudden, the window next to him, the guy screams out, he's wrong! He has no idea what he's talking about! No, he says, I know for sure he's not Mashiach. So Rabbi Galinsky says, excuse me, I don't know who you are, but how could you make such a statement? Nobody in this world knows who Mashiach is. How could you say, who are you to say that he's not Mashiach? He says, of course he's not Mashiach. 
I'm God. And I didn't make him Mashiach. Every single person thinks that he's above, he's better than the next. Do you understand? If he thinks he's Mashiach, who's he? I'm God. So, so the point, it's very funny, it's very, it happens to be a very funny story. But the point, the point of it is, the point of it is that this, what happened in Bereshit is such a big thing where Kosh Baruch said, Ayeka. And I think that the Eitz Hadas, and I'll, I'll end with this thought. What, what was the whole, what was, what does this mean, the Eitz Hadas, the tree of knowledge? What does that mean? What, what happened differently then than happened now? So there's a very famous question. How could Chava have done a sin if she didn't have a Yetzirah? Yetzirah was the Nachash, right? So the only way you can do a sin is if you have an evil inclination. She didn't have an evil inclination. She was created all good. So how could she do such a big Avera? So the Zayar says that when Hashem created the world, He created the evil inclination, the Satan, outside of us. It's like a bad friend. Telling you I want to go to a bad place. So the Nachash was the Yet Sahara, but he wasn't in us. So when somebody whispers to you, you know, let's go here, let's go there, let's watch this, let's do that. It's not so hard to say no. But when you whisper to you, let's go here, let's go there, it's much harder. So what the Nachash did, and I'm not going to get into the Kabbalah part of it, but what the Nachash did, when he got it to eat from the Eitz Hadas, more than that, it was more than just eating from the Eitz Hadas, it was Zuhamal, it's a whole long story what happened. But it wasn't just eating from the Etzadas. What he did is, he became, he became in us. Now once the evil inclination became in us, so really what you're fighting is yourself. You know, I should do good, I shouldn't do good. It's not someone whispering in my ear, it's me. It's me. So, what happened was, that Toiv Ra used to be two separate things. Chava was Toiv, the snake was Ra. There were two separate entities, like black and white. When she ate from the Eitz Hadas, they got mixed. So good and bad got mixed. So sometimes things that look bad are really good, and sometimes things that look good are really bad. And therefore, the internet has Rabbi Wallstein Shiorim, also has terrible pictures, right? Everything has good, and everything has bad. And it's very hard to discern what's good and what's bad. And that's really the hardest thing to do. We don't know. Sometimes we think we're doing something good, we're really doing something bad, and, and vice versa. So it became mixed. It became, it became gray. How does one, how, so how do you go up against that if, if you don't know what's right or what's wrong? Therefore, you have to get self. The more you study yourself, the more you know yourself, the more you get clarity. Clarity is like, is the biggest brach a person can have is clarity. So what our Baruch was, was telling Adam was, Ayeka, where are you? In other words, where, where are you? You're mixed up. You're mixed up. You're blaming somebody else for something that you did. You're very mixed up. You need to get clarity. You need to know who you are and where you are. You need to know where Yaakov is. Yaakov's not in bed. He's on my list, but he's not in bed. You need to know. Instead of chasing him around the whole time, you need to have self. You need to know where you are. And therefore, that was what happened in the Avera. That's what happened to us. We became extremely mixed up. And the way to become unmixed up is for a person to get clarity. Let me, let me just, let me just tell you something about clarity. So, I spent a lot of time, more than ever, more than a very, very long time, with my Rebbe Rabbi Gamliel. And there was one thing I wanted to talk to him about, which is something that's very hard to overcome, whether you're a parent or a Rebbe or, or a husband or a wife, whoever you are. And that's Akara Satov. Sometimes you do so much good for someone and they just hurt you. They just, they don't say thank you. Forget about the thank you. They, they, they hurt you. And, and, and it hurts so much when, you know, it's one thing if you don't do anything for anybody, but when you help somebody and then that person turns against you and hurts you, that hurt is so deep that it's very hard to get, it's very hard to get rid of a person who's kafui type. So, I'm not, I'm not gonna get into the details of it, but, um, There are people that I have helped, or I've helped their children, or I've helped their grandchildren, that I've really spent a lot of time with, and financially we need help in Arnava. So I went to them for money. You know, I'm not saying, I didn't help your child or grandchild because I wanted money. I helped your grand, but I helped them, and at the end I need help. And 
I was very hurt. I was very hurt by certain people who mamish, better they wouldn't have given me the check than the check they gave me. It was sort of like saying, you're totally discounted, we don't really appreciate what you do. And So I went to, I went to my rabbi and I said, I can't get it out of my heart. I stood there, Yom Kippur, I, I, I can't get it out of my heart. It bothers me. I can't say it doesn't bother me. I help these people, I help these people, I help these people, I help the whole world. Nobody's helping me. And I, I just, it's just something that's, that's wearing me down. He said, Rebbe, you gotta help me. I don't, I don't, what's my mind, what's, what do I, what do you think? So this is what he told me. First of all, he told me that if he got 50 cents, 50 cents per hour for helping people, he'd be a millionaire. So he told me. So you should know if I get 50 cents, I don't sleep at all, he says. He says, I said, Rebbe, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it that you help the whole world and all these rich American comes to you and they ask you, should I flip this building for $50 million? And then you give them the advice, yes and no, and then they make $10 million and you can't make a wedding for your own kid and you can't, your kids don't have food. And how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Are you helping the whole world and nobody's helping you? How do you deal with it? So talk about clarity. So this is what he said to me. He says, I'm not a good person. I don't help people because I'm a good person. I help people, Jewish people, because they are the children of Hashem. So this is what he told me. He said, so for instance, let's say you have a little one-year-old kid, two-year-old kid, right? And he's about to go into the street and he's going to get hit by a car. And you save him. Who's going to say thank you to you? Who's going to send you flowers for Shabbos? Who's going to send you chocolates? Who's going to send you a cake? The parents of the child. Child's one, two years old. Child's not going to say thank you. It's a little kid, right? Child doesn't say thank you to the teacher in first grade because you just taught him arithmetic, one plus one. When the parent comes to PTA, well, Hanukkah, she's going to give you a special present. Oh, Mora, you're giving him some, you, you saved my child. The child doesn't bring you a present. The, the parents bring you a present. So he says, people should give me something for helping them? I don't help. I, I only help them because they're the children of Hashem. He says, you think I'm a good guy? He says, if you brought me an Amalek, if you brought me an Amaleki, why well, I have a mitzvah to take a knife and kill the Amaleki? I would kill him in a second. A nice guy kills little kids, but a child of an Amaleki has to be, has to be destroyed. So he says, I work for Hashem. He says, Wallerstein, what, what do you mean that person owes you a thank you or that person owes you, that person owes you nothing? This is what he says, Godless. He said, if you feel that that person owes you something, that means that whatever you did was for the person, not for Hashem. So after 120 years, you're going to come to Hashem, and you're going to say, what do you mean? I helped this person, and I helped that person, and I helped this person, and I helped that person. Hashem going to say, what does that do with me? You didn't do it for a mitzvah. You knew because I told you to do it. Because if you did only because I told you to do it, then why do you expect something from him? If you expect something from him, it means you did, I did you a good, now do me a good. So he said, so if you expect something good from them, so you didn't do it for Hashem, so why should he reward you? He's like, your whole life, you lived for other people. You did things for them, and if they didn't do it back, you were hurt. So if you do something for Hashem, just the opposite, I don't want anything from you. Hashem, that's the tati. Tati takes care of him. You save his children, Tati takes care of him. So Kajbok will give you Panasa, he'll give you whatever you need. But the, the person? He said, the person hurt you? You're not doing that. You're bringing up children. That's what he says. Godless. He said, you're bringing up children, right? So you have these parents, they bring up their children and they give them everything and they mechanach them and these kids go off to derech, right? So, so one second. So you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't understand my child. How can I give him, I sent him to school, I got him all this, how can he go off to Derech now and be Mechal Shabbos? So I said, what are you talking about? You're Mechanech your child for what? Because you have a mitzvah in the Torah to Mechanech your child. So your job for Hashem is to Mechanech your child. If you did your job, what's have to do with how your kid turns out? At the end of the day, you have to do your job. When a person does something, when you do a chesed to somebody, don't expect anything back. Because if you expect something back, then you're not doing it for God. You're doing it for that person. If you're doing it for that person, then you're not keeping the mitzvah. So he said, the more you expect back, the less you're doing for a Baruch Hu. person has to realize that when you do something good, when you do a chesed, you have to say, I'm not doing it for this person. I'm not giving tzedakah for this person. I have a mitzvah to give tzedakah. 
if God gave me a mitzvah that no matter how poor a person is, you're not allowed to give him a dime, then you're not allowed to give him a dime. If a poor person comes to you on Shabbos, and he puts out his hand, and he says, can you give me money? The answer is, no! What do you mean? He's poor. He needs money. But Hashem said that I can't give you money. It's muksa on Shabbos. So it's not the poor person. When it's not Shabbos, Hashem said, I have to give you money. When it is Shabbos, Hashem said, I don't have to give you money. So it's not the person. Because it was the person that's poor that I got to give him on Shabbos also. He's just as poor on Shabbos. So it's Hashem that told you, Shabbos you can't. The same person, it's not Shabbos, you have to. So therefore, it's a mitzvah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what are you getting upset when you help people and they, and they spit in your face? Uh, that has nothing to do with you. No, you did it for Hashem. If Hashem spits in your face, it's a different story. But Hashem doesn't spit in your face. Ah, yeah, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Where are you? Stop blaming everybody else. This is not about everybody else. When you're in this world, you're in Las Cabos with God. That's the relationship. There's nothing else. And when you, when there's nothing else, you'll find out what your relationship with God really is. When you sit quietly at the edge of your bed and you look over your list, you'll know your real relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And sometimes it's not from a sinner. And sometimes it's not from a chumash. Sometimes the real relationship with God is just you sitting on the edge of your bed and talking to Him and telling Him when you're upset and telling Him when you're loving and telling Him when you don't understand something and questioning Him. That's a real relationship. A real relationship, I'm very sorry, if, you have, if you're married and all your wife says all day along to, to you is, everything's great, everything's great. You need anything? No, everything's great. You're in a good mood? Yeah, everything's great. I'm sorry. No, you don't say sorry. Everything's great. That's not a real relationship. That's a bluff. There are times when you tell you, no, not everything is great. You came home late, and I'm not happy about it. And sometimes, yes, it's amazing. A person's relationship with a Kajbaku is an up and down relationship. It's not always everything is great. Sometimes, like a Kajbaku, I need your help. I don't understand this. Look at Rachel Imenu. Rachel Imenu told a Kajbaku, I'm not jealous. You're jealous? Moshe Rabbeinu said, Kajbaku, I'm warning you. You destroy Israel. You're not going to have me in your book. I'm out of your book. You can't, you're not going to have my name in your book. Excuse me? Do you tell God? I'm out of your book? And the answer is, Hashem said, I like it. I don't want you out of my book. And therefore, I'm going to say Klein's role. That's what worked. The Jews, if you look in, in the Torah, if you look in the Torah, every time Hashem wanted to destroy us, the mud, the water, everything, every time Hashem wanted to destroy us, how did Moshe Rabbeinu get us? How did he save us? Did he say we're good? No. Did he say we did tshuva? No. You know what he told Hashem? It was a mechutzif. Every single time, look, he said, if you're going to kill the Jews, what is the rest of the world going to say? You took the Jews out of the triumph to murder them. God, you're going to have a bad name. I mean, people are just going to be trash talking about you. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. I mean, God, that's what you want? You want the whole world to say that you're a murdering God and you took them out of the triumph? He never said, he didn't say the Jews are the tshuva, the big tzaddikim. He said, Kashmaru, come on. Everyone's going to be bad-mouthing you. Everyone's going to be saying, what kind of God is this? Took him out of a tribe to kill them. Shem said, you know, you're right. I don't want such a name. I don't want such a name. V'salachti kidmarecha. You're right. They're forgiven. A person, ayeka, a person wants you to be who you are. He wants, Hashem wants you to talk to him. Of course, he can't curse like Kodesh Baruch and Yechai Misa. Not a great deal of cursing, but he wants you to talk to him like you would talk to another person with really feeling. But a person has to spend time with themselves. And that's what Sukkot was all about. Sukkot meant leaving your house, leaving technology, leaving the buzz, and going into this thing that's made out of four walls and a bunch of sticks on time, called a, called an, a, a dira aroi, a non-permanent house, going out there and finding out who you are with the uh, Ushbizin, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, W, Yosef, Moshe, and Aaron, and spending time with them, and going out of your house, right? Not living in the, in the Dira, in the world. It, 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 the sukkah and the house is the world and going out of the world. There's a lot of deepness to it. But that's what the whole sukkah is, and that's what we need to leave sukkahs. We need to leave sukkahs and say that we had a yontif where we were away from everything. And on that yontif, right, we were in a sukkah, and in that circle, we found ourselves what it means to be outside of everything. And it is. I, I told the girls I spoke to in a seminary in Etchestro. I'm like, girls, check this out. 
three days for the, for the Americans without a phone. You went three days without answering a phone, without texting, without being on the internet. Three day yontif, two day yontif and a Shabbos. I said, if I told you to do that now, there's not one girl in this room that could go three days without a phone. So how do you do it on yontif? And I, I don't think that anybody here was reaching for their phone and like, I don't think so. How come? How come you weren't? Now you can't do it. And the answer is that on Yantif, there's a certain ruach that takes us out of this world of technology and puts us into a world of Yantif. And that's the Samachtim Chagecha. That's what Sukkis is the biggest Yantif. It's, it's the Yantif where you have to make Simcha. And therefore, now we're going into the winter. We don't have a Yantif until Hanukkah. Hanukkah is not really even a Yantif, right? The real next Yantif, Shalash Ragon, is Pesach. So we have to go through this dark, cold winter. So what do we take from Sukkot? We take from Sukkot that we stepped out of technology, we stepped out of the house, and we and we went into the Sukkot that Hashem created with the Ananiya Kavod, and we had the Simcha Dikri Yantav. I hope everyone had a, a, a very good idea and Ed Stroll. We had this unbelievable Yantav, and that's what we need to take with us. Las Cabos. We need to take this private relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's what we need to take for the for the winter. And if we do that, Bezrat Hashem, we'll all have the Schos in Mirza Hashem it's amazing. Yesterday morning I was duchring at the, at the Kaisal. Last night, last night, my riv, I down by the Kaisal. I want you to know that it was packed. It was packed. Yontif is over. All the Americans are gone. It was full last night of Israelis just coming to down by the Kaisal. We should all have the schuss that emits Hashem next year. Instead of being on this side of the Kaisal, we should all have the schuss to be on the other side of the Kaisal. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.